this week. It's love and terror. It's the thrill of discovery and the horror of knowing it's too late. It's a gorgeous little purple planet just brimming with secrets, lost civilizations, and the reason that civilization was lost. We're playing Jordan Cobb's Giannis Descending, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Today, we're featuring the work of some absolutely incredible people, Jordan Cobb, Anthony Oliveri, and Julia Schifini. Jordan Cobb is a writer, actor, and director based in New York, responsible for the work you're going to hear today. She stars in Giannis Descending alongside Anthony Oliveri, whom you may recognize from some of his short-form audio fiction series like 2298, Great and Terrible, Limbo, and Magic Kingdom. Julia is a scholar, podcaster, co-host of Spirits, actor, star of Tides, and now a sound designer. This blew me out of the goddamn water, but this is the first piece of serious sound design that Julia has ever done. May all of your first attempts at something go this well. Giannis Descending is a piece of horror science fiction. There is screaming, there is trauma, and there is heartache. But look, I'm a big old squishes, and if I can handle it, I, I bet you can too. And if Jordan can handle it, like Jordan, who does not like horror, Jordan, who wrote this and scared herself, then you can probably handle it too. But it is a disturbing work, and sad, scary things happen in it. So consider yourself warned. Giannis Descending is the story of two scientists surveying ruins on an exoplanet a long, long way from Earth. These scientists, Peter and Chell, care about each other very deeply, and in a way this damns them both. What you're about to listen to is a grand tragedy, and you know what's coming because one of the many brilliant things about Giannis Descending is its structure. Um, Peter and Shell's stories run opposed to each other in time. If you've ever heard of the musical The Last Five Years, it functions approximately the same way. You'll hear Chell's story largely going from the beginning to the end, and Peter's story, which alternates episodes with Chell's, largely goes from the end to the beginning. So when I say that their expedition ends in disaster, that's not really a spoiler. What I'd like to play for you today are the first three prologue episodes of Giannis Descending, followed by the first two full episodes. Just so we're keeping score here, episode one is entry one, episode two is entry 13. So, strap in, kids. It's a hell of a thing you're in for. serious about this. Absolutely. A field mission? Yes. Doctor. Chell, please. 
Cho, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Thank you, sir. But what you're asking is impossible. That's not a word I'm familiar with, sir. No, I'll bet it isn't. Still, I'm sorry to say we just don't have anything for you. Actually, sir, that's not strictly true. Oh? I did a little digging through the Aphelian database, and it turns out there's a perfectly suitable site that's been completely overlooked. A small planetoid in Sector D, orbiting twin stars. It's got a thin atmosphere, and initial scans show decent amounts of natural resources and some evidence of prior inhabitants. One of our scientists logged it a few cycles back through some of our long-range scanners, but no one's ever bothered with a follow-up. So the scientist located a new planet. He didn't just find a planet. He found a site. See? There. Those are roads. Buildings, walls, towers, steeples. The images are clear as day. That's a city. A real, veritably undocumented Class Six civilization. And it's just been sitting in the archives. Is this your data pad? Uh, no, sir. It, it's my partner's. We share data pads all the time. Do you share passwords, too? Because this file was encrypted. See, I can tell because there's a tiny little picture of a lock up on the corner of the screen. I... And because I'm the one who gave Peter permission to lock the file. But he didn't tell you that, did he? You're a geologist, isn't that right? A xenopaleontologist, sir. Right. Have you ever been on a field expedition? No, sir. Ever been to another planet? I was born on Saturn, and I spent a couple semesters interning at a dig on Deimos. Not enough rocks for you down here? Dead aliens, if you want to be crass about it, and... No. Right. How does your lab partner feel about all this? Peter? I... Uh... You didn't tell him you were coming to see me. He gets... nervous. I would too if my partner was going behind my back and volunteering me to be sent hurtling into space. Not for the first time either, so I hear. Can I ask you a personal question? Of course. What the hell are you doing here? I took a look at your file. You've been denied by your supervisor for every expedition you've applied to since you got here. In my defense... Peter is my supervisor. He just... He just... Doesn't want to see me get hurt. And because you disagree with him, you thought it would be a good idea to go over his head? You know I could fire you for this. Mr. Director... Axel. No. Call me Axe. Axe. I'm not here because I disagree with Peter. My work is out there. There's a whole universe of discoveries waiting to be made, and it's not going to happen to me sitting in my lab. Ah. So you want to be famous. I want to do my job. I want to be good at it. <laughs> okay, let's say hypothetically that I did have something for you. This planet, I need to know it was worth my while. I need to know you are worth my while. I am. Prove it. What do you need me to do? Convince me. There's 
No way out. There is no way back up. <laughs> Trapped. I don't know how long I've been here. Oh, God. It knows where I am. I can feel it. It's here, hunting me. It's so close. I can feel it. Later, I want to go home. serious about this. Absolutely. A field mission? Yes. Doctor. Chell, please. Chell, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Thank you, sir. But what you're asking is impossible. That's not a word I'm familiar with, sir. No, I'll bet it isn't. Still, I'm sorry to say we just don't have anything for you. Actually, sir, that's not strictly true. Oh? I did a little digging through the Aphelian database, and it turns out there's a perfectly suitable site that's been completely overlooked. A small planetoid in Sector D, orbiting twin stars. It's got a thin atmosphere, and initial scans show decent amounts of natural resources and some evidence of prior inhabitants. One of our scientists logged it a few cycles back through some of our long-range scanners, but no one's ever bothered with a follow-up. So the scientist located a new planet. He didn't just find a planet. He found a site. See? There. Those are roads. Buildings, walls, towers, steeples. The images are clear as day. That's a city. A real, veritably undocumented Class Six civilization. And it's just been sitting in the archives. Is this your data pad? Uh, no, sir. It, it's my partner's. We share data pads all the time. Do you share passwords, too? Because this file was encrypted. See, I can tell because there's a tiny little picture of a lock up on the corner of the screen. I... And because I'm the one who gave Peter permission to lock the file. But he didn't tell you that, did he? You're a geologist, isn't that right? A xenopaleontologist, sir. Right. Have you ever been on a field expedition? No, sir. Ever been to another planet? I was born on Saturn, and I spent a couple semesters interning at a dig on Deimos. Not enough rocks for you down here? Dead aliens, if you want to be crass about it, and... No. Right. 
How does your lab partner feel about all this? Peter? I... Uh... You didn't tell him you were coming to see me. He gets... Nervous. I would too if my partner was going behind my back and volunteering me to be sent hurtling into space. Not for the first time either, so I hear. Can I ask you a personal question? Of course. What the hell are you doing here? I took a look at your file. You've been denied by your supervisor for every expedition you've applied to since you got here. In my defense, Peter is my supervisor. He just... He just... Doesn't want to see me get hurt. And because you disagree with him, you thought it would be a good idea to go over his head? You know I could fire you for this. Mr. Director. Axel. No. Call me Axe. Axe. I'm not here because I disagree with Peter. My work is out there. There's a whole universe of discoveries waiting to be made, and it's not going to happen to me sitting in my lab. Ah. So you want to be famous? I want to do my job. I want to be good at it. <laughs> okay, let's say hypothetically that I did have something for you. This planet, I need to know it was worth my while. I need to know you are worth my while. I am. Prove it. What do you need me to do? Convince me. There is no way back up. <laughs> Trapped. I don't know how long I've been here. Oh, God. It knows where I am. I can feel it. It's here, hunting me. It's so close. I can feel it. Peter, I want to go home. Giannis Descending is a horror narrative aimed at a mature audience, and as such, may contain material that is not suitable for everyone. Please, take a look at our show notes before each episode for content warnings. Listener discretion is advised.
shell. Look at me. Might be able to restore. Plenty of time to get cozy. Give a code violet. Repeat. Code. Don't let go! Chow! Peter, don't let go! Hold on. Something's coming. It's never been so quiet. Dark. There's something about the press of absolute silence. The whole consuming blackness that leaves me just a little... I don't know. Breathless. Every second that passes, every instant, brings me the farthest from home I've ever been. Sometimes I'll go, and I'll stand at the stern of the ship to be just a little closer to home. At this distance from Earth, the difference is nominal. Fractional, at best. Most nights, though, I'm here. Peter's more of an early bird, so most of the time, I have the adamantine to myself. You'd think I'd be sick of it by now. Sitting here. 287 days on a two-man shuttle, spending at least 10 hours a day up on the bridge, but... Well... That view... We're just in sight of the planet now. NCC-1701 Delta is a bright lilac dot, no bigger than a dust mote on the upper left-hand side of the adamantine's view shield. She came up as a blip on the radar at 0200 hours this, uh, wow, sorry, uh, yesterday morning, and she's been sliding slowly towards center for the past three hours, getting bigger all the time. They grow up so fast. According to Peter's calculations, we should be in orbit by 0700 hours. I double-checked him with the shipboard computer, not that I needed to. Peter does the calculations faster, mostly because I think he's always thinking about them, and he always goes a few decimals further, but, you know, protocol. But he said it, and now I can't sleep. Too excited, too everything. In a few hours, I'll be seeing my first truly alien sunrise on a tiny world under twin stars. NCC-1701 Delta. God. We have got to think of a better name. By the way, Peter, I get the reference. And clever though you may be, you're just not funny. I don't understand how he can still be angry with me. I mean, I do. I get it. We wouldn't be out here if I knew how to take no for an answer. If I hadn't gone through his personal files and found this site and gone over his head to Axel to get permission for the dig, he has every right to be angry with me. I get it. I do, but... 
but how can anybody be angry with a view like that? We are spinning through the starways at a million miles an hour. Nebulae and supernovas are hurling color like gold dust across the sky, and we have seen planets and moons dancing on the dark strings of gravity under the eyes of suns our world will never see. How can anyone want to be anywhere else? We are on the brink of the universe. And all he wants to do is go back to the lab. Not that it's fair for me to blame him. The Giannis Initiative was never something Peter wanted to be a part of in the first place, even if it is his discovery. Long trips make him anxious, and space makes him... Ah... Uh, well... Queasy. To his credit, he is doing much better, and he's much more graceful in Zero Grav than he admits. He's fluid. Economical like a dancer, if he danced, which he does not, believe me, I've tried. But the list of things Peter doesn't do could fill one of his collected first edition encyclopedia sets. Dancing, skiing, karaoke, watching movies, dating, going outside. If it involves him leaving the lab, you can bet he'll just... <laughs> God... I can see him doing it now, that, that little thing Peter does, where he rests his chin on his knuckles and rubs his lower lip with his thumb, and he raises his eyebrow at you in that I'm not smiling, but I am judging you way of his. And then he'd shake his head, go back to whatever it was he was working on before you decided to test and see if he had a pulse. Not that he's boring, or cold. I just don't think he has time to waste on anything he doesn't love. And he loves his work. And he's so good at it. He has to be. It's why his brother built Aphelion Industries up around them. Peter finds the raw material, the resources, alien technology, all the lost secrets and treasures a dead world can provide. And Axel polishes it off, gives it a sprinkle of charisma, stamps the Aphelian logo on it, and suddenly, you've got a multi-trillion dollar research and development company spanning an entire solar system, with their fingers in technology, medicine, historical conservation, you name it. Conquistador capitalism at its finest. And there really shouldn't be a place for us. Not in a company like Axel's. I mean, a xenopaleontologist with a focus in biology, and Peter, a xenoanthropologist with a flair for archaeology, which is ironic. Because Peter is... not a people person. The only people he seems to understand, let alone tolerate, are the dead ones. I always thought, this is what we should be doing. Boots on the ground, hands in the dirt, digging, but instead, Peter sends other teams to mine the stars. And we sit in the lab, and we synthesize. I find the swaths of color and give him a landscape, and he draws in the minutia. Together we get the whole picture, uncovering lost worlds. Working with Peter, he is 
utterly fascinating. He's a brilliant man, a born storyteller, and possibly the best cook in the solar system. Discounting his chocolate chip cookies, it is the only thing I do better than he does. That, and talking. I talk a lot. Like, when I'm nervous, and when I can't sleep, and when I'm trying to distract myself. Peter could fill the silence just by walking into the room. He's brilliant like that. Naturally gifted. I wouldn't be here. I couldn't do this without him. And I'm not just saying that because you're mad at me. Not that he's listening to this. Well, maybe not. Not yet. He listens to these sometimes. As my supervisor, for research and collaborative purposes. But I think he forgets that I can see the listener history on all of my logs, and my datapad sends up a little alert when they're accessed from a different computer. And I'm not saying that I don't take excellent notes, and provide witty, vivacious, and insightful commentary on all of my findings. But there's nothing anyone would need from old audio journals about dead alien societies in the middle of the afternoon on Christmas break. In case you are listening, Peter, I missed you when I was on vacation too. But I hope you're not listening. Because I started this kind of mean, and I know you hate me teasing you, and I wouldn't want to embarrass you or rob you of the sound of my voice. You can listen anytime. I'd probably listen to more of your logs, too, if I could figure out all of your passcodes. You're kind of paranoid. Have I ever told you that? Then again, I did just admit to going through your stuff, so maybe you have a point. Touché, Peter. Touché. I'm doing it again. Talking too much. You can't blame me though, right? Nobody can blame me. This is huge. Relatively. It's a preliminary planetary survey. In the grand scheme of the universe, not exactly a giant leap for mankind. Not even a small step. But for me? One giant leap. One huge, giant, breathtaking, earth-shattering flight for Chell. So, yeah. Talking too much. Unable to express anything but the joy of being here. Finally. After wanting it, and working hard, and waiting, and not waiting, and grabbing hold of my chance, I have earned this. And I deserve everything that's coming to me.
I thought it was a plague, an, in, an infection, some sort of contaminant in the atmosphere. The murals and the tunnels gave us every indication of the abstract, the divine. We were, we were wrong and now we're dead. There's no point in transmitting anymore. The distance, the signal delays, the time, but, but I can't turn it off. And Still, by the time you unlock this log, the ship will have crashed, and we'll be dead. We never should have come. We didn't, we didn't find your gold or your treasure. No scraps of unclaimed world for you to mold into an even bigger fortune. <coughs> oh, shit. My skin is crawling. My bones ache. There's nothing left here. Axe, it's all empty. Just ash and bone and fragments of a dead world. And them. They're everywhere, Axe. All those eyes and the stars on the ship. I can feel them moving. I can still see it. In the view screen. We're out of orbit. The course is locked into the smashed remnants of the Helm's computer. No changing it now. But the planet is still in our sights, even as we accelerate further and further away. It just hangs there, clear as a scream in the darkness. The only thing visible for light years. She would just... She would just stand there on the bridge and stare out into the nothing frozen, transfixed. You could see all those ragged, swirling dust clouds, the dying fires of the supernova, the cold, shifting waves of dark matter reflected in her eyes, even when there was nothing out there to see. And when she saw you, Jesus, 52 hours ago, this miserable ball of ice and dust and craters Suspended like a little purple dot between Sirius and Remus. Caught in the shifting, swaying current of their locked orbits. All those convulsing, twisting shades of violet and lilac congealed into a little ball between those stars. And I thought, well, doesn't matter. Still, I have to admit, 
You are the second most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I won't miss you. I remember the approach. The adamantine shaking and bouncing us around. I felt so sick, I thought I was going to die. I hate space travel. I knew, I always knew I was going to die on one of these ships. I just never thought it would be like this. But I sat there, trying to land the ship, waiting to die. And she... She took my hand. And I was... I was so sure everything was going to be okay. We should have gone back. The second thing started to go sideways, I told her. But she was... She was... Different. She was already changing. From the moment we went to the caves, I lost her. I let her out of my sight, and something happened to her, and I I figured it out too late. By the time I realized she She wasn't even chell by the end of it. She was gone. She was something worse. Something broke, completely delusional. She was insane. It wasn't her fault. It was, it was that thing, something living just under the skin. It crawled up inside her. I don't know. I don't know, but she just, she just went down into those caves and she wasn't the same. They, they did something to her axe. They, they changed her, killed her sent something back in her place. And I killed it. At least... At least I thought I did. for us. We should have known from the beginning. Shouldn't have gone into the caves. Don't go into the caves. Don't go into the caves. Chell, please don't. Can you hear me? Go on. Say something. Play your music too loud. Do something stupid like, I don't know, paint cherries on the sleeves of your exosuit and risk contaminating any new ecosystems we encounter. Give me a lecture on all the reasons why you won't cut your hair, even if you can barely fit it all under a helmet and you risk not getting a proper vacuum seal. Smile, laugh, say something, anything. Don't leave me here on my own, Chell. Shit, shit, shit. lying there. She won't answer. I don't... No one is answering. It's dark and it's quiet and it's been... I don't know how long but I can't... It's dark. It's... It's cold. I'm alone. And... 
hurts. Everything... Everything hurts. And the stars are laughing at me. I can feel them. They're hard, distant eyes. Hundreds of thousands of them. More than you could ever imagine. Waiting on me. It's... It's a sick fucking joke, and it's... It's so fucking quiet. Please, Chell, just say something. Somebody, please answer me. I killed it. I killed it. I killed it. I killed it. It's dead. It's gone. But I can hear it moving. Jesus, but there's so much blood. <laughs> Do this. I can't do this, Axe. <coughs> Axe, please. It hurts. Everything. <coughs> it hurts. Please, I can't do this, Axe. <coughs> I have a nightmare in my mind. Under my skin, the world is coming apart. Everything is decay before my eyes. Flesh slipping from bones and bones slipping to nothing, falling to dark, swirling gray silt, pulling apart like kinetic sand. I can feel it. She's she's coming apart. My skin is coming apart. There's something underneath. Fuck sake, please, somebody answer me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are 231 light years between me and you. Every second brings us one step closer to home. A whole new horizon of stars. A thousand worlds to see along the way. I can feel them all moving in our blood. But not for very much longer. It won't be long now. Not long at all. If the adamantine ever makes it back home, you'll find a ship full of ghosts. This is our final captain's lock. I won't be seeing you again, Axe. But we promise you'll be seeing us. We're coming home.
You can support Jordan Cobb and the work she does by pledging to her on Patreon at patreon.com slash nosuchthingproductions, or following her on Twitter at inkphemeral. That's I-N-K-P-H-E-M-E-R-A-L. Inkphemeral. And be sure to stick around for next week's show when I talk to Jordan herself. That's going to be a real treat, too. You can support our work on Patreon at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival, and you can follow us on Twitter at radiodrama. Visit our website at radiodramarevival.com, where you can read our bios, investigate our archive, and buy merch at our marvelous store. That's radiodramarevival.com slash shop. And now, your moment of will. Hey, listener. So, Giannis Descending is probably a reference to Janus, the Roman deity of beginnings, gates, transitions, time, duality, and doorways. So, beginnings and endings. That's a big one. But do you know what was, we'll say, anatomically interesting about Janus? I'll tell you next week. And hey, listener, I hope you don't have the same fate as these two. Whoa, whoa. And now it's time for the credits. This podcast is recorded in Washington, D.C., which is the unceded territory of the Piscataway Indian Nation and the Piscataway Kanoi Tribe. Our theme music is Danger Diggy Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams, who is compressed into a tiny screaming diamond. When you shine a light through it, they bite you. Our senior interviews producer is Eli McElveen, who was converted into digital information and trapped in the soundboard of an alien who makes electronic music. When reached for comment, Eli said, Our associate producer is Sean Howard, who keeps on emerging from these steam-filled chambers each time he pretends like he remembers the last conversation we had, but he's always missing a few hours. Where do you go, Sean? Where do you go? Everyone go listen to Civilized by Fable and Folly. Woo! Our researcher is Heather Cohen, who was colonized by a parasitic space fungus. I mean, she's fine. Every two weeks, she knocks off a couple ounces of fruiting bodies, turns them into tea, and we all sit around hallucinating for 36 hours. Look, it's not for everyone, but neither is golf, you know? Our submissions editors are Elena Fernandez-Collins and Rashika Rao, who, like I thought, had been taken as tributes to King Mechanus, the droid lord of Cygnus V. It was this whole to-do, we mounted a counterattack, we tried to rescue them, that's why Will's a chompy diamond now. But, like, last week on the news, I saw the two of them, Ellie and Rashika, I mean, astride black chargers at the vanguard of a great host of organics, holding up the severed head of King Mechanus himself, and he was none too happy about that, he was snarling and trying to do the you know the zappy thing that he does like with the eyes anyway come back soon ellie and rashika good luck on your liberation campaign our executive producer is fred greenhouse whom i have not seen in a few megaseconds last i heard he was setting up a solar power utility that saves its customers money by negotiating directly with a star his future's looking so bright i'm not even gonna finish that joke i'm your host david reinstrom and this has been radio drama revival All storytellers welcome. 